This is Shelby Hansen, and you're listening to episode 36, Grieving the Life You Had Anticipated. Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. Hello, today we're going to be talking about grieving the life that you had anticipated. So good morning, everyone. I'm going to be going live today with one of my good friends, Quinn from Taylor and Gratitude. And we are going to be talking about grief today. So tailoring gratitude, Quinn, she is also a transplant recipient like I am. And we wanted to share our stories about what it's like to grieve, what you thought was going to happen in your life. Oh, hello, Kirsty and photography. So good to see you. So I'm just waiting for her to hop on and I will bring you on when you are ready. Okay. So I'll start out. Oh, there she is. Hello, Taylor and Gratitude. So just go ahead, ask to join, and I will bring you on. I'm so excited for this live. We have been looking forward to this one for a while. So while she joins, I will tell you that I was diagnosed with kidney disease when I was 31 years old. So I had just become a mom to three kids. My youngest was a year and. I was in the middle of what I thought was a very ordinary life when I had my diagnosis for kidney disease. Hello, my friend. Hello, hello. It's so amazing to see you. And I just, I have to apologize for all of my miscommunications with dates and times, but we are here doing it. Yes, we are. Um, (laughs) I don't look quite like myself, but it's been a long week. I'm going to get gussied up later. So I love um, it peanuts to an elephant. It's more important that we get together to have this wonderful conversation. I couldn't agree more. So when when uh, Quinn and I got together, we were talking on Zoom the first time. I was looking, it was like back like May 31st we made that. So we've been we've been talking about this for a while. That's that's quite a while. Wow. Time- no. <laughs> and we were talking about things that we thought would really benefit the transplant and the kidney disease community. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those topics that came up where we thought it would be so important to discuss grieving because it's, <laughs> even if you don't have kidney disease, we have this my, this life in our mind of, this is the vision of how I see life going. And if you've been in life for a minute, you know that life goes sideways very easily. Things turn out how we don't think they're going to, but not many of us think, Hey, I might need a kidney transplant in my life. I don't think most people grow up thinking that's going to happen to them. <laughs> Not at all. As I like to say, life is lifing right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny you say that. I actually, um, I used to journal. All oh. And when I first was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease, um, I remember the doctor mentioning transplant. At this point, I wasn't... Um, like I was, I still had kidney function left, but just, you know, they had that conversation. Your future, you know, you may have need a kidney transplant. And um, 
for those of you who don't know me, my dad was on um, dialysis. He was on dialysis for 35 years. So it was a part of my childhood. And um, so I knew all about transplants, but I wasn't foreign. But I was asking myself, okay, <laughs> when did that part of my life get inserted in own journey? I didn't think, you couldn't have paid me or told me that when I was a little girl, um, you know, I would go from trying to get my dad a kidney. Yeah, totally. I know. And I think that you have such a unique perspective. Hi, Katie's journey with Alport's. Katie has Alport syndrome like I do. So it's fun to see my Instagram community come together and like, because it's such a rare disease as well. But I was just going to say, you, you come from such a different perspective, like watching kidney disease and dialysis in your life, like all growing up and not knowing even growing up that that was something that was going to be part of your journey. No, I had no idea. Um, I remember being a little girl and my dad would always check my blood pressure. And I would look like, why are you checking my blood pressure? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'm a kid. Um, but what I realized is that he was actually misdiagnosed and was told that his kidney failure was due to hypertension. Mm -hmm. so he always checked my blood pressure. I didn't have hypertension, not knowing that it was SGS, uh, focal sclerosis, which is genetic. So um, I told him, you were looking for the wrong thing. Should have been mm -hmm. not mine. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I just have to say, Kitty, I mean, Katie says she is three weeks post-transplant today. Congratulations, Katie. It must be in the water. I have a cousin who actually got transplanted yesterday. What? So um, sending out all good vibes, speedy recovery for everyone who has given their gift. Um, of a second chance of life with a kidney transplant. It, it's it's life-changing. Mm, so amazing. So so what did grieving look like for you when you, like, when did it kind of start? Was it like when your diet, di hello, when your diagnosis started or like what, what has that looked for like for you over the past years? Um, so I would say grieving probably started around the time um, a little while after diagnosis, um, because when I was initially diagnosed with, you know, FSGS, like I said, I still had kidney function. So I went on to college, graduated, was working full time and grad school full time. So my life looked pretty normal. Um, so it wasn't until about 2008. I had been working for a few years, um, September of 2008, actually, that my kidney function started to decline rapidly. Yeah. And so the rest, the, the next year, 2009, the haze. But um, it was once I got on dialysis and I would try to do the things that I used to do. Um, and I couldn't do them anymore. Um, getting up and just going, oh, hanging out with people. That didn't work anymore because I had dialysis. Going back to school, I tried so hard to go back to school to finish my degree, and I couldn't because of my schedule at the time. And <laughs> um, So let me put it out there. It's possible to go to school and be on dialysis. I don't want to tell people that, but for me, um, I couldn't do it um, because I had a lot of 
things going on, but you know, it was hard to fit my schedule with it. Um, interacting with people was different because mm -hmm. I don't have this experience. You forget you have kidney disease until other people bring it up to you. <laughs> so true. So like I have a I had a fish filler because that was my access. Mm -hmm. I would forget it was there until other people brought it up like, oh my God, what is that? And so then they were like jar me. It's like, oh that's just my access. You know, um, so to answer your question more directly, um that was the time I started to grieve because I, I realized that the life I had planned for myself, it just wasn't going to happen anymore because this new thing had came in and kind of um, reprioritizing my um, desires and dreams. And um, yeah, it just didn't quite, it, it kind of changed everything. And it wasn't a change I was expecting. Right. Yeah, I. It, it's interesting. I, I feel like I grieved at different points too. Like, of course... <laughs> I grieved when I got my diagnosis. I was kind of sharing that right at the beginning before you hopped on. Uh, I was diagnosed at 31. I think that I want to say my oldest was, oh gosh, how old was he? I want to say he was eight. So I had like an eight-year-old, a six-year-old. No, he was younger than that. I had a one-and-a-half-year-old, a four-year-old, and a, four a six-year-old at the time. So I was like, What? I had, my husband was overseas at the time. Um, mm -hmm. He's in the Air Force. And so I got the paper results back. And like, I, I went for a life insurance policy and they checked my kidney function and they denied me. I already had life insurance. And I was like, why did they deny me? I called one of my nurse friends and told her my creatinine. And she was like, you need to go to the hospital right now. I was like, what? Why? Like, they didn't even say anything about like, why? Um why they had denied me. I just saw that my creatinine was abnormally high. And once I figured out what had happened, I just remember thinking that they had switched the labs. This wasn't for me. This was for somebody else. I'm like, this is some old dude that like, he already like knows he's going to die. Like, so of course he's in kidney failure. Like it's not me. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't stop crying. Like just tears upon tears upon tears. And in my bedroom, I had a recliner and I just sat in that recliner and just bawled. And I had like, I went through a whole tissue box and I just remember like, I took a picture of all of the tissues just like strewn around on the floor. And I was like, I'm going to send this to the insurance company when they like find out that they, they did the wrong labs. This is not me. And I'm going to show them like, you made me cry this much. <laughs> And as you should have. Right? And so then I go to my regular doctor and they run, the, they see me, they're like, oh, no, you're young, you're healthy, no problem. They run the labs and they're like, uh, you need to come in right now. Um, I was diagnosed at a GFR of 19, so I wasn't quite ready for dialysis, but there really was no other treatment modalities left for me. And so it was kind of just this wait and see thing. And I was like, how do I wait and see? So that was like a big, like just the life adjustment from the beginning where I was like, just thinking I'm living this normal, like everyday life to wait a second. There's something seriously going on in my body. Something that I didn't, I didn't know anything about kidney disease. Mm -hmm. And I just that adjustment from like, okay, I think I can do this to that was so huge. So how did you deal with your emotions? Like from 
like from the from those things that you were grieving through and like how are you with it now like how how have things changed for you how is dealing how how is dealing with those emotions impacted you um so when this started for me i was in my very early 20s so in 20s you know you kind of still had that almost invincible thought process you know what i mean yes. so happened to me um it sucks um <laughs> you know but um for me i was so focused on making a change in the world that i think that's why i poured most of my um hey this happened to me it sucks it's happening to other people i'm going to help other people figure this out or help other people cope and manage um having kidney disease because i know what it feels like and i want to help people deal with it right so now as i'm a ripe 39 years old um i think that the grief the the grief that i have is more specific and so when i say that like i'm at the age where you know um your time is ticking on having kids right it's what having a child is going to look like for me mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I want kids, you know, who doesn't have little versions of themselves? I don't know how that world would deal with that, but, <laughs> you know, who doesn't want little versions of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And from trying to conceive to, to carrying a, a successful full-term um, baby to what will that, what impact will that have on my body after I give birth, right? Yeah. So there's still, you know, mourning that has to be done. Mm-hmm. And so what I deal with that now is um, bringing that, that spiritual pieces. I I just have to surrender because I can't control it. And trying to control it drives me crazy. Um, right. You know, it constantly turns the wheels in your mind. And you just can't stop thinking about it. But God knows the desire. Heart. And um, if it is his will for me to have a baby, I'll have babies, you know? Yeah. And I just, I think as I get older and get a little wiser, I choose to just surrender the battles that I can't fight alone. Mm-hmm. When you're going to take over the world, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're mighty. Um, you know, age brings wisdom and you don't quite have the, <laughs> I can speak for I don't have the capacity to save the world like I did back then. Um, so I choose to pick my little battles. And um, Yes. I think that's so important. Picking what you can do and really focusing that. Because I think you're right. Like when we're younger, we're like, I can do everything. And now mm-hmm. we're like, okay, I have so much experience that I can take that experience and focus that in a very laser way to be able to make an impact through the things that you've been through, especially. Yes. Um, and I want people to know, feel your feelings. If you have to cry about it, please cry. Um, when I would get upset about little things, I didn't cry much. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do find myself in those grieving spaces, I get in bed, in my little box of tissues, and I just let myself feel it. Yes. Um, there's nothing weak about crying. Um, it's a real thing. Um, sadness is tied to it, frustration. And in this space, it's easy to feel help. 
I completely agree. And I think that when you don't feel or allow yourself to feel the sadness of what is happening or has happened to you, it does escalate to this anger. And it, because sometimes feeling sad in our society, our culture, we believe that sadness is weakness, that it's weak to feel sad. It's, it's um, vulnerable to feel sad. Feeling anger is a lot more of a powerful emotion, but it's also a destructive emotion too. There's a lot of um, difficulty that comes from hanging on to anger. And I will say after um, another point where I had a lot of grieving is when they were talking about putting a fistula in. I, I was very, very lucky to have a preemptive transplant, but I did get very close to dialysis. And I just, I had such a lack of awareness of what dialysis was. Um, I worked as a speech language pathologist in an acute care facility. And so the people that I saw that were on dialysis were also ventilator dependent. They had tracheostomies. And so for me, people that were on dialysis were very, very ill and very close to death, which those patients that I cared for were. However, now I know that there's this whole dialysis community of people that are out there living amazing lives and taking care of their bodies through dialysis. There's an amazing Facebook group. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Living on Dialysis. These people, they like go on motorcycle road trips and they're like doing dialysis on the side of the road. I'm like, what? Yes. How are people even doing this? But I had no idea. So I think that when you are grieving, for me, I was like, I was in such denial that I had this disease and I didn't know anybody my age going through this. I was scared of reaching out to a community that I didn't understand. It wasn't until after my transplant that I started really looking into community space because I just kept thinking, if I don't feel like it, it, maybe I could just like pretend like this isn't real and it'll just go away, which is always so helpful, right? Right. But... (laughs) But now that I know so much more about dialysis, I'm so much less scared of it. So I think that it's very important to have that knowledge and to understand what it is to actually live with kidney disease instead of trying to run away from it like I did. (laughs) No, and that's such a great point. We fear what we don't understand. Exactly. You know, so educating yourself is empowering yourself. Um, and, um, you know, when you mentioned that these dialysis patients are out here living their best life, um, I, I like to thank technology for that because yes. patients have access to home dialysis. Yes. We need to make sure that all patients of, um, all communities have that same access. Exactly. And, um, I also, when I was on dialysis, um, I adopted this ideation that I was going to have dialysis. It wasn't going to have me. And so, um, I did, I did more on dialysis than I did pre-dialysis. And some of that was because once you, I always tell people don't lose something, um, to learn, to be grateful. Don't lose something and then be, um, to learn how important it was and to, you know, feel that loss is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Um, Once I started dialysis, I, you know, I was, I lost that freedom to just Mm -hmm. do do whenever I wanted to do it right, to Mm -hmm. drink, do whatever I wanted to do. And it became so much more precious to me. Um, I didn't appreciate it the way I should. 
Um, and so when I started, I just, I, I just, I, I was going to make the best of it. So mm-hmm. that's advocating, I was traveling, meeting all these people. And it was like, wow, life is for the living. Like, life is worth living. And that also helped me with the grief of it. Like, I might not be doing what I thought I was going to do, but I'm still doing great things. Um, And I always like to say, don't get me wrong. As I've said many times, it sucks. Right? I know. (laughs) That is your still, that was my silver line. I can still do things. I can still live. I can still be a person in this world who's productive. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I just happen to be on dialysis. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It, I'm like, I feel like you got a little bit of a rebel spirit in you, which I like very much yes. love. <laughs> it's like they, one, one of the treatments they did, like when I very first got diagnosed, they're like, we're going to put you on high dose prednisone and see if we can like get your kidneys to come back. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work, but everybody's like, oh, you're going to gain so much weight on, on prednisone. They're giving you that huge thing. I was like, I am going to lose weight on prednisone. <laughs> I did just because I was like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to gain weight. (laughs) So I just love that. Like dialysis, like I am on dialysis, but dialysis doesn't have me. That's so beautiful. And um, going back to the anger piece that I was going to say is that was something that was really healing for me when I made peace with my anger. Um, A lot of my grief happened after my transplant because I had a sleepy kidney or a delayed graft function afterwards, which you've told me your, your dad had delayed graft function for like, what did you say? Six months? Did his, um, I can't his, even imagine. It took six months. He actually had to go back on dialysis for a couple months. So imagine sitting in the, you have this kidney in you and you're still stuck to this machine. It was kind of, yeah, I can see where the anger, it was a yeah. mind blown thing. But yeah, six months for his to work, uh, wake up. Which is incredible. Another story that needs to be told because then he was able to get off dialysis and the transplant started working, which is wild to me because that's not what they were telling me after my transplant. They were like, oh, a few weeks. And then a few weeks, like, you know, a couple weeks turned, well, a few days is what they said. Then it turned into three weeks and four weeks and five weeks and six weeks. And then finally at seven weeks, my transplant did start to work again, to work. But um, I was ticked because I was like, so many people, they like have a transplant and like they start producing urine like on the table, like while they're still like under anesthesia. Yes. Right. That's, and that's what I had gone into. That was my expectation was like, okay, I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm going to get this kidney. Then I can just like keep going on with my life. And it was just another reminder of like, maybe, <laughs> maybe things are going to be a little different still. Yeah. And so I was, I went to a life coaching conference three months after my transplant. And I was talking about my experience post-transplant and the lady was just like, the life coach, she was like, how do you feel about that? I was just like, I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, yeah, we all know. But like the people pleaser in me was just like, oh, like I can't be mad. I just need to be grateful for this. And it's not okay for me to feel anger. And it wasn't until she said that. And I was like, I'm not hiding it. And I really feel it. And like allowing myself to really uh, embody that anger and allow myself to feel those sensations. That's when sadness came up because I'd been masking sadness with anger. 
And then that's like when that sadness came that it was like, I really thought that things were going to be easier and they weren't. And I wish they were. I wish things were easier. And really grieving that in that moment, being able to really feel that sadness, it was so cathartic and it was so healing. And then it allowed me to move into a space and an energy that really was serving me so much better than holding on to that anger. No, that's, that's real. Um, and I'll say I, I recently had a grief um, a couple months ago. So when you get a transplant coming off of dialysis, um, I can't speak for other people, but for myself, one of the things I worry about the most is Of course. You know, it's always in the back of my mind. I've had yeah, this year, seven years. Um, and I would be lying if I said it doesn't stay in the back of my mind. Um, yeah. So for me, I still have my fish to let my fish to work great so mm-hmm. like in my mind that's my backup so mm-hmm. if it ever happens to the kidney i know i can go straight back to dialysis do i want to absolutely not right but, you know at least i have a plan b so a couple months ago i woke up and my fistula didn't work anymore like it it, it wasn't buzzing yeah. the, uh, we all of that and i literally spent that entire day <laughs> like I was destroyed and everybody kind of looked at me like I was weird. And I said, you don't understand. I've been depending on this fish still be working just in case a worst case scenario. Yeah. And it just stopped for no <laughs> reason. It just stopped. And I was angry. Like why? Like yes. why? Why now? Mm-hmm. And I can come up with is that, I can't depend on that fistula. The fistula is there. I have to have and believe that this kidney really is the kidney, my kidney, and that it's going to sustain me for as long as it's supposed to sustain me and just ha- be peaceful with that, you know, mm-hmm. grateful in this moment um, for what I have instead of um, laying in my head <laughs> and trying to make my own plan and, you know, work out things. Uh-huh. Um, just to encourage somebody who might be listening to this, you may come across many battles, many griefs, um, moments of grief during this journey. But um, you just have to kind of be present in it and be grateful in the the present because you'll drive yourself crazy trying to to figure it all out at one time. It's not meant to be figured out at one. I love that so much. And I think it's so, so important is that present moment and not trying to figure it out because we couldn't, even if we had all of the puzzle pieces, we couldn't figure it out anyway. And it's just like knowing that there's just enough light in front of you to see the next step. And that's all you got to focus on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, Grief comes, grieve different things. You could have never told me I'd be sitting crying over my arm. Right. (laughs) And um, I just always encourage people, feel those feelings. They're valid. They're yours. And other people don't go through the things you go through. You understand on a different level than anybody ever will. Um, And if you just need a day to just feel your feelings, hey, take your time and feel your feelings. Um, It's a hard it's a hard burden to carry. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on this live. It was incredible to see you. Incredible to do this together. 
likewise. And I look forward to our future sessions. Yes, me too. All right. Well, have a great day and we will chat soon. Bye, everybody. Bless everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, what are you waiting for? Let's get coaching together today. I hope you have a wonderful week as you take your power back on creating beauty wherever you go.